This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I'm going to like miss a couple of jokes. Absolutely not. I've got things to say this morning. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, morning, everyone. How are you? Good to see you this morning. Good to see you this morning. Guys, I went... Yes. Are they, are they working? Yes, fantastic. I went out with some of the lads on Friday night. I know. I went out with some of the lads on Friday night. A couple of drinks. A couple of drinks. And um, they said, Sandeep, you know, we see you're preaching. We're going to play a bit of Sandeep bingo. I was like, what do you mean by that? Well, we know you're going to make a joke about the missus. We know you're going to make a joke about the mother-in-law. We know you're going to make a, like a jabati joke, if you know you know. If you know you know. But actually, you know what? I'm not going to do that, actually. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that. I am going to tell you what Ben Robinson said on Friday night, though. Here we go. Heresy. No, none of that. None of that. Uh, sorry. I don't know. I added that in. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so the young people, um, the young people in this morning with us, hello, teenagers. Love to have you here. Um, and they said to me, Sandeep, Listen, try and make it relevant to us. Try and make this engaging. Come on, all right? What are you doing? So I thought, okay, yeah, well, I'm young enough. I can pull this off by myself. I don't need anything extra. But then I realized, no, I can't, alas. So we, I have given a presentation with some gifts in them. Well, I say, what is that? I say gifts. I say gifts. I say gifts. But something that I've learned about in this church, particularly to other church, is that we love a gift. In our life group chat, there's a strong gift game. So if nothing else, I hope that today inspires you to use them more. Okay. Um, we are going to, yeah, there you go. Next, next one. Why don't we do the next one? Oh, the quality's not great. There you go. Who's ready this morning? Who's ready this morning? Um, it is an honor to carry on our series of Acts, which is the story of the journey of the early church, as well as the story of Paul, the apostle, um, so today I'm going to speak on Acts 18 and focusing on encouragement at a low point. Encouragement at a low point. Okay, now honestly, time church, raise your hands if you've had a moment this week when you've thought, you know what, I'm tired. I'm weary. Um, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. And parents, I know you've had half term, so maybe you want to put two hands up in the air. I don't know. It's been tough. But we've all, gone, we've all gone through those moments, haven't we? We've all gone through those seasons. And we're like, man, life is tough. Life is hard. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can carry on. Um, and it's funny how the Holy Spirit works things out. Like we've had sort of that theme throughout the morning, um, as well as previous times, previous, previous mornings. Um, but so we're going to get on to Acts 18. But before we get that, I'm going to give a little background on the passage. So Acts 18 tells us the conclusion of Paul's second missionary journey, um, which spanned roughly about three years. Let me give you the next slide, boys. There you go. I'm done. I was, yeah. See, I don't know if you're feeling like that this morning. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Acts 18, the um, conclusion of Paul's second missionary journey, spanned roughly about three years. Um, so, before Acts 18, in about 49 AD, Paul and his companion Barnabas um, left from Jerusalem, I don't know if you can see it there, Judea right at the bottom where that mic is, um, to go to Antioch. Okay, he went with Barnabas. So in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas had a little argument, or actually not a little argument, they had a big argument, 
about taking John Mark on a trip with them. Um, they disputed and they separated. That's got to be hard for Paul. Imagine, you know this guy, you like this guy, you have a big argument, and then you separate, you dispute. Okay, that's, that's, a, hard, that's a hard time. And then Paul met a man named Silas um, and then went to Tarsus, Paul's birth, birthplace. Then Derby, hello, yeah. Um, the whole point of me giving the context was for that little pot there, that little thing, but that's okay. Um, and, then, and then Lystra, um, where they met a young, God-fearing man named Timothy. Where are you, fella? Hello. Um, then they went to Philippi, healed a demon-possessed slave girl, and the town weren't happy with that, so they dragged him to a market, um, stripped him, beat him up, flogged him, and then put him into jail. While he was in jail, there was an earthquake, big earthquake. Paul escaped, and actually the jailer got converted. We've heard about that before. And then on to Thessalonica or Thessalonica? I don't know. What Thessalonica. Um, where a mob was formed to hunt Paul down, and he had to escape. Same thing happened in Berea. A mob was formed, and Paul had to escape. So that's, that's a tough time. Last week, we heard about Paul in Athens. He preached, he talked to the, to the Greek intellectuals and philosophers. Paul was mocked. Paul was made fun of. You know, Tim talked about that last week. So then in 50 AD, so all what I've just talked about has been a whole year. In 50 AD, Paul has arrived in Corinth. So in the space of a year, Paul has had arguments, beatings, lots of traveling, floggings, jail, earthquake, being hunted twice, and he's ridiculed. That's tough. It's a hard year. So now he arrives in Corinth. Let's see what happens. Nathaniel Willoughby. Us drummers got to stick together. I'd like you to read for me. Can you do that? I prepared him to read. It's not like an ad hoc thing, just picking him out. Um, so we've got a mic for him. You don't need a mic. I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> I think this is a bad idea. I'm going to give you the mic. I'm going to give you I can say that. No, do the one, two, 16 there. You got it. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all of the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood will be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God, Crispus, the synagogue ruler and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, 
the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, if you Jews went making a... If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. That's about 16 16 left, but... Oh, sorry, I meant 18. Oh, don't mess Oh, no, leave it. That was, that's fine. Well done, Nathaniel! Well done, Nathaniel. Thank you for that. Um, so, Paul left this capital city of Greece, Athens, this powerhouse of intellect and philosophy where he's debated with the greatest minds in the world and arrived in Corinth. Okay, now Corinth did not have the best of reputations, it was known for its immorality, its wickedness, its sin. And I'm trying to work out, like, how do I tell you guys the difference between Athens and Corinth? And, you know, a relevant, relevant place. Now, I could see Athens, okay, Athens is a bit like Oxford. Okay, Oxford, you know, they debate the highest minds in the country and there. But Corinth, a wickedness, place, immorality. Skegness! Skegness! Let's call it Skeg Vegas. Now, I've never been there. But I've heard a lot of people in Derby have been there, and what I've heard about it, I don't like. So I don't want to go. No, I might go. I might go. It's all right. Um, so, yeah, so, so Athens, Oxford to Corinth, Skegness. <laughs> so, no one's from Skegness, are they? Okay, it's all right. Uh, I could have said Burton. No, that's not right. That's not right. And Paul gets there, he gets to no, Corinth, and he's discouraged. He's discouraged. How do we know that he's discouraged? Well, in chapter 5 and, and verse 5 and 6, it says, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Has anyone ever felt like that? You know what? Do what you like. I don't care. It's up to you. I'm done with it. Don't know if you felt like that. We also know he was discouraged in, in Corinth because he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you know, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Great fear and trembling. This is Paul we're talking about. This is the man who on the road to Damascus was blinded and spoke to the Lord. This is the man who wrote fantastic letters to the church that are in the Bible that encourage us, that guide us, that bless us. This is the man who healed a demon-possessed girl. This is the man who healed lots of people, spoke to hundreds of people. We've seen that in this journey. And he comes to Corinth in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Anyone feel like that this morning? He's not the only one in the Bible who's like that. Elijah, you know, this great prophet, you know, battles with the prophets of Baal. You know, he had a, he had a threat from Jezebel 
He ran away. And he, and he sat down, wasn't eating. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. There's Elijah saying this. David, great king of Israel. We know all about David. Psalms and psalms of anguish, of pain, of loneliness, hardship. This is Jer Jeremiah as well. Another amazing prophet. who God said to him, you're going to be my voice for my people. He went through periods of loneliness. Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane, Mark 14. Deeply distressed, we know that. Sweating blood, troubled. Lord, take this cup. The difference with Jesus, he said, your will be done. Well, that's a different lesson, that's a different lesson. But still, why am I telling you this? These great guys in the Bible, even Jesus, had low moments, low periods. Here's where they felt discouraged. If you're feeling discouraged this morning, if you're feeling weakness, if you're feeling with fear and trembling, you're not the only one. It's not just then. It's now as well. In this church, in this, in this society. It's funny when God shows the theme throughout the weeks. Remember last week, Lucy shared when, you know, after giving birth to Theo. And that's a hard period. That's a hard moment. Jen, you talked about period at work. It was hard. God saw you through that. You know, and myself, I'll be honest with you, I've gone through a bit of a hard season at work, hard moment. You know, this sort of preacher sort of kept me through, reminding me of what God is good. Um, God, but, so if you're feeling like you're treading water, discouraged, in a low season, you're not alone in that. People have been going through this and are going through this. But guess what? Guess what? God wants to encourage us in that season. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this one. <laughs> God wants us to lift our eyes and be encouraged by what he's doing. He's the God of the encouragement. And he wants to encourage you this morning. So just one more time. Yeah, there we go. Psalm 10, that's all right. Psalm 10, verse 17. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You hear their cry. Okay, so we know that God wants to encourage us in those seasons of lonely moments. We know that if we're going through a low moment, we're not the only ones. But how does God encourage Paul? How does God encourage us? Firstly, he puts people around us. He puts people around Paul. Aquila and Priscilla, he became friends with. They were tent makers. Just like, sorry. They were tent makers, just like Paul. They had similar interests to Paul. There was a reason why God put Aquila and Priscilla in Paul's life at that period of time. So they can journey on with them. We know later, Aquila and Priscilla journeyed to Ephesus you know, with Paul. Those are God-fearing people who God loved. Silas and Timothy as well. Silas and Timothy. God placed Silas and Timothy in Paul's life so that Paul could be devoted exclusively to teaching. That's a sign of encouragement. Um, these are the right people for the right moment in Paul's life. We believe that God does the same for us. Puts the right people around us at the right time to encourage us. So I said before, I like it when preachers sort of share a personal story. So here we go. Okay. Um, I was 18 in my first year of uni, um, and we were coming to the end of the year when you've got to decide who you're living with um, in the next year, in the second year. And we went from halls to a, to a, a house. Um, so I had a good bunch of friends around me. 
um, so from my, who I lived with at the time. They weren't the best people for me at the right time, let's say that. And so I realized this, and I wanted to sort of expand my circle in a way and meet new people. I wanted to, I started making friends with people in my course, started making friends with people in the Christian Union. Um, and the group of friends that I lived with currently, they didn't like that. They didn't like that. They felt a bit jealous of that. And they started playing pranks on me. Now, I'm all for that. I could play pranks back on them. That's fine. But it started getting harsher and harsher and like, you know, worse and worse until like a tipping point, which is known as the Jenga incident. The Jenga incident. Okay, just admire these couple of gifts here for a bit. Look at that. There you go. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Rihanna's like, why do you put this gif on? Like, it's going to be distracting. I was like, yeah, well, it's funny though, isn't it? <laughs> um, so where was I get? Where was I that? Yeah, so they didn't like that. Um, so basically, this Jenga incident happened where I came home from my parents' house, I got to uni, and I wanted to make some food, probably some like chicken Kiev, something like that. I didn't cook a lot at uni. Um, and then there was this lock on this cupboard um, that I had, and I was like, what the heck is this? I didn't have this lock on. And I pulled this lock off. I was like, ah, get it off. And all these Jenga pieces came like tumbling out of my cupboard, all around everywhere. And so young people, youth, don't follow my example in this next bit. But I decided to put these Jenga pieces like into their mayonnaise, into their butter, into their marmite. I was just fed up. I was done with that. Um, and the, this guy didn't like that. He thought it was, a bit, you know, he thought that was too much. And so he started. He punched me. Can you believe it? He punched me. So what am I going to do? Well, I won't tell you about that. Um, <laughs> so, but then that was a moment where, you know, actually this relationship broke. I was, I, I, and I felt quite lonely after that. I didn't know where I was going next year because friends are quite important at university. I, I felt it was in a real low moment there. And I re remember now thinking, sitting in my room thinking, what, have I, what am I doing here? Um, so then I decided to go to the Christian Union weekend away. Um, I was a bit apprehensive about it at the time. I didn't really know them. Um, but I met this guy there uh, called Andre Wright. Andre. Here he is. Doesn't he look like a friendly guy? Yeah. And I haven't got, you know, I don't know about GDPR or anything like that, but I've just decided to put his face on it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was a guy, you know, he's funny, he was athletic, he was smart. Um, but actually, he really encouraged me in the season. He sort of, I got to know him well. He was like, Deeps, you're, you're great, man. I really like you. He sort of built me up a bit. And, and, you know, God put Andre in my life at the right season. He was like, well, Sandy, why don't you live with me next year? And it was really good. And I, on, in hindsight now, I fully believe like this guy, he was sent by God to be in my life at the right time because he encouraged me to go to Christian Union, encouraged me to go to church. I don't know about you. Have you got someone in your mind that you can think of now who God's placed around you? You know, they're good for me. You know, in low moments, they're going to encourage me. I don't know about that. Um, uh, so where was I? Okay, but along with that... so. Um, yeah, so who's God placed in your life to encourage you? Friends that are good for you. You know, church is a unique thing, isn't it? It's a unique thing. I've said this before. There's people around us from all walks of life, from all areas. You know, and we know that investing in life group, investing in church, investing in people around you here, you know, they can encourage you when you're low. And that's God placing people around us. If you're not feeling like, oh, I'm not getting encouragement, God has placed people around you to encourage you in these moments. Young people, 
know, you've got friends around you who are good for you. You've got youth leaders that are good for you. Use them when you're low. Use them when you're down. And so God's placed these people around us. But along with that, so God has placed people around you, but God has also placed you around other people to be encouragers, to be encouragers. Um, who are you going to be Priscilla and Aquila to, church? You know, it's a mission. You know, let, you know it's not just, you know, it's, it's a, for us to just sit here and be encouraged. It's not the responsibility. It's not our duty. Our duty to, is to encourage. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in this fact you are doing. If you, you know, I remember I was thinking when I was, you know, in my 20s, what's my mission in life? What do I want to do with my life? And I realized God gave me a gift of encouragement then. And I thought, okay, reading the Bible. And I thought, you know what? I'll use that as my mission to encourage others, to build each other up. That's what God is asking you to do. So I don't know if you want to take your phone now. I'll give you like 30 seconds. When you write down a name of someone who you're going to encourage this week, let's have I have some, timed it well with the water. Okay. So we know that God encouraged Paul by sending people around him, good people around him, sending good people around us. We also know that God encouraged Paul because God spoke to Paul. And God speaks to us. We see in verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack you and harm you, because I have many people in this city. Now that's encouragement. Imagine that you're going through a time of weakness and fear and trembling, which is what Paul was going through, and the Lord came to you in a vision and said, I'm not going to harm you. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, well, okay, I will. I will. If the Lord comes to me in a vision, I will do that. But the Lord hasn't come to me in a vision. I like that to be so. I pray for that. The Lord hasn't come to me in a vision. But the Lord still speaks to us. Still speaks to us. And I'll tell you a couple of ways that God speaks to me. Um, it can be through songs. It can be through times of, of trouble and, you know, I can see, I hear a song going on, and it stirs us. It stirs me. Jen, you talked about last week, you got two references in this speech, Jen. Congratulations. <laughs> you talked about last week how you went through this hard time at work, and the song Raise a Hallelujah really stirred you in that moment, kept on going, kept you through. And I think it was the lyrics. I also like the beats. I think it was the beats as well. And it was the Holy Spirit as well working in you, and the Holy Spirit works in us through songs, through worship. Um, another reason how God speaks to me, we, we had a really healthy discussion in our life group a couple of weeks ago about how times when God speaks to you really clearly. And a couple of people said, actually, the times when God spoke to me really clearly is when other people have had words from God and they've encouraged me and they've gone out their way and said, this is what I think God is saying. And it's reaffirmed things. That's happened to me in my life a couple of times. 
I don't know about you, if that's happened to you, but I believe that's how God speaks to us as well. We want, we want more of that in this church. More of that in this church. So be encouraged by that. Also, and most importantly, I think God speaks to us through his word. Through his word. Books of books of encouragement. Psalms, Romans, Isaiah. You know, all the gospel, the whole Bible. Numbers if you can find it. Numbers if you find encouragement. God is speaking truths, promises, encouragements through his word. Why am I saying this? What I'm trying to say is, God may not speak to you through vision, through big things, but God is still speaking to you through the word, through song, through worship. Do you know how God speaks to you? Do you know how God speaks to you? Have you invested time? Have you invested time? Have you put aside what you're doing and thought, you know, I'm going through a tough time. How does God speak to us? Are you listening to God? Are you listening to what he says? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Another one where Rihanna's like, you sure about that one? Yeah, that's fine, that's okay. Uh, are you listening to God? Are you hearing his voice? Do you know what his voice sounds like? Young people, this is a key time in your life to work out how God speaks to you. It's a key time. So test it. Invest some time in doing it. Also, are you obedient to what God is saying? Now, it says there in the last bit of the things that we read out that God spoke to Paul and said, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on preaching. Keep on staying there. And Paul stayed in Corinth. Paul stayed there for a year and a half. That's a long time in Paul's missionary journey. It's a long time, a year and a half. What results did he see? Well, actually, there was the proconsul, sort of the Roman authorities in Corinth at the time, said to Paul, and that said to the, said the Jews that were saying, you know, what is he doing? He said, you know what, I don't, don't mind what he's doing. It's fine. I'll keep Paul doing what he's doing. That's a massive encouragement for Paul. They actually set a rule saying the Christians will not be harmed. And that was there for the next 10 years. So Paul's listened, and he's obeyed. And they saw the results. Are you listening to what he says? And when you are listening, are you obeying what he says? Be encouraged this morning by that. If you're in a low season like Paul was, it's hard. You can feel like you're in a pit. You can't get out of. God wants to speak to you this morning. God wants to give you more of his Holy Spirit to impact your heart, your life, and pull his promises out onto you. You will not be harmed. Keep going, church. So we know that God encourages us through people, and God encourages us by speaking to us. Well, you might be sat here thinking, but Sandeep, I am listening to God. I am obeying. I've got good people around me. I'm still in weakness. I'm still in fear. I'm still in trembling. I'm still in a low moment. There's great news, church. The ultimate act of encouragement has already happened. The victory has been won by the cross. Death has been defeated. Love has won. And because of that, because we can rely on the cross, we can walk in confidence and know that we are sons and daughters of the King. Because of God paying the price of us, in low moments, in difficult times, 
we can trust that God will not let us down because he's already won. Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? So we can walk into work. We can walk into school. It doesn't matter what people are thinking about you because you're a child of the king. The crown has already been put on you because of what happened on the cross. The future is secure. God wants to encourage us. God wants to bless you in low moments. Out of those low moments, God wants to spring life to you. Because that's what he did in the resurrection. The lowest moment, God spung life through the resurrection. Because he's already blessed us. He's already encouraged us. You deserve the royal robes, church. You deserve to walk in and say, I trust in God because he's done it. It's happened. Your future is secure because of the cross. You can trust in eternity. God wants to say to you this morning, keep going. I will not harm you because I've already won the day. I've already won the battle. So we're going to respond to this for a time of worship and response. And that's, that's all I've got, really. <laughs> um, so I, I sort of, the response I had was sort of what we said. But, you know, if you need encouragement this morning and want to be reminded by what God has done, if you want God to remind, remind you what God has done on the cross, that he's put people around you, that he speaks to us. If you want God to speak to you this morning clearly, I believe his Holy Spirit will do that. We're going to be in faith that he's going to do that this morning. Also, you know, if you feel like you've got an, you know, an encouragement for someone else, if you feel like, oh, that stirred me, yes, I will be encouraging. You know, we'll come to the front. You want to be filled up by the Holy Spirit so you can go and encourage others. Okay? God bless. Thank you. stand together, shall we? We're going to sing a song of declaration and truth after that. Thank you, Sandy. It's fantastic. Sunday morning.